Hi, my name is Jackie. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 8. I play hard because that's how I do everything. I always push myself to be the best that I can be. Type 1 diabetes does not stop me from doing the things that I like to do. Hello and welcome to Teen 1D, the podcast for teenagers and young adults living with type 1 diabetes. The podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medicine advice or treatment. My guest for today's episode is Jacqueline Burke. Thank you so much for being on here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to, one, meet another Jacqueline diabetic, yes. but also to, <laughs> but also to uh, talk a little bit about my journey uh, with T1D and um, in research. Yes, I'm so excited to be able to talk with you about that today. So... Tell us a little about yourself. Where did you grow up and when were you diagnosed with type 1? Yeah, so um, I was born in Detroit, Michigan. And then when I was six, we moved to the suburbs. I think uh, my parents were done with city life. I spent most of my time during my childhood in Troy, Michigan. Um, and I was diagnosed at age nine. Yeah. So... How do you manage your type one? And has it always been the case? Do you use like a closed loop, a pump, Dexcom, or any other different technologies? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely kind of an evolving situation. I was on the Medtronic pumps probably for almost 10 years. Um, I think I started when I was like 10. And then I delved into the closed loop for a bit. But unfortunately, some of the, the older Medtronic pumps are a little hard to come by these days. So I switched to Tandem because I really like their uh, control IQ features. But I also really like the Omnipod, the feature of you can kind of wear whatever clothes you want. Um, and especially when I'm in the lab a lot and uh, walking around, sometimes the tubing gets tangled when I rip my sights off. So what I've actually been doing this past week is I'm doing uh, Omnipod during the day, so I get that freedom, and then I do tandem with a closed loop at night. <laughs> so I'm a bit eccentric. So what is it like to switch in between both of those? Do you have to like suspend one or the other or take any of them off and put on a new site? Yeah, so what I do is um, I change my site at the same time every three days on both pumps, and I just put less insulin in each. And then um, for the Omnipot, since it's always on me, during the night when I want that closed-loop um, coverage so I sleep a little better, don't have to worry about going low, I will just set a temp basal from whenever I go to bed to 5 a.m., and then... Uh, it automatically starts in the morning at 5 a.m. And when my alarm rings, I take my uh, tandem pump off. Wow. I've just never <laughs> heard of anyone doing that before. That's so interesting. Yeah. So just to get a little more into what you're doing now, where did you go to college and what did you major in? Yeah, so I went to uh, Johns Hopkins University. It's in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and I studied biomedical engineering. I guess when I was uh, in high school, I, I kind of didn't really know a lot about engineering in general. I think that's kind of a maybe a problem that a lot of uh, young women face, uh, unfortunately. So I knew I wanted to, you know, have an impact in the T1D area. Um, I really love biology. I love math. 
but I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. I think I'd been in too many doctor's offices and hospitals throughout my life to, to have a goal of, of that. So, um, I was kind of doing some perusing online when I was trying to figure out my college path. And um, I stumbled upon biomedical engineering um, and found Johns Hopkins had a great program. So um, that that's what I, I went with and it's been uh, great ever since. <laughs> cool. So what was your experience like at Johns Hopkins? Oh, it was pretty good. You know, it was definitely a transition. Uh, you're kind of completely on your own, you know, when you first start college and not only from a, you know, social uh, kind of point of view, but also with your diabetes management. So I think uh, you kind of learn a a lot more about yourself and a lot more about how to communicate your needs as someone living with type 1 diabetes to to others in that situation, you know, whether it be uh, your roommate, your professors, um, etc. And so, um, you know, you make a lot of mistakes. You know, the first, uh, one of the first quarters of college, I think I took a a chemistry exam at like 50 and oh, I was wow. too scared to like tell my professor that this is something that happened so I just kind of took the grade that I got but obviously I I learned a lot from that you can have some uh, fruit snacks or whatever you want uh, by you and uh, you shouldn't they're not going to think you're cheating if you're eating some fruit snacks if your blood sugar is low so yeah. yes so I also saw when I was just researching you that you were a research assistant in your time there. Did your research experience reinforce that you wanted to pursue research after graduating? Yeah, for sure. So I had the fortune of um, working for a wonderful professor there, Dr. Sharon Grack, who's now at Duke. And um, I was able to study diabetic foot ulcers, which was not something I kind of... uh, wanted to go into because, you know, it's no fun looking at uh, ugly feet all day and kind of facing the complications of uh, the disease that you live with every day kind of really uh, puts it front and center. You know, I think a lot of times we're like, oh, I'm a little high. That's okay. But if you're kind of confronted with, oh, this person had high blood sugars for 40 years and they're having a foot amputation. It it makes it a little real. I loved the scientific aspects. I love the investigative aspects. Um, I love being in the lab. I love the lab culture. But I didn't really want to, you know, continue just focusing on these side effects or these complications that I would face. So this kind of led me, you know, after Johns Hopkins to transition into um, a PhD program at Northwestern, where I studied. Um, Islet transplantation. So this is kind of a therapy that is used better control, obviously, type 1 diabetes um, and prevent those complications. So kind of went uh, maybe in a backwards uh, fashion, but um, wanted to be more forward thinking in the end. Yeah. And then just one more thing, and I promise I'll be done talking about Johns Hopkins, but I saw that you were involved in the College Diabetes Network there. Can you describe what that experience was like? Yeah, so that was that was pretty fun. Um, we didn't have a chapter at uh, Johns Hopkins. So myself and another um, actually biomedical engineer, we met in our you know first seminar class because um, I think uh, either her Dexcom was beeping or mine was beeping. 
and uh, the the Dexcom beeping sort of just uh, brought us together. <laughs> and so um, we started the chapter and, you know, it definitely was small and, you know, sometimes we were the only people at the meetings, but hey, that was okay. But it was a really good support group to kind of understand different resources on campus. So we would meet with, you know, the cafeteria nutrition team and have different dinners with them or, you know, just go out for coffee or go out for Chipotle. We even had a free Chipotle night sometimes. So it was a good, good bonding experience. Good to meet other people from, you know, other majors, you know, graduate students, professors. We even had uh, Dr. Orla Wilson, who was really into the closed loop technology, come to one of our meetings. So I think it broadened my horizons and made me meet more people um, that had a similar life experience and uh, that I could really connect with. So maybe not so much uh, the diabetes even, but just kind of having those uh, other friends and uh, support system. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And congratulations for starting that, by the way. That's a big accomplishment. So you talked about the islet cell transplants at Northwestern. Um, I'm going to take about a deeper dive there. One of the things that I read before this was nanotherapy offers a new hope for the treatment of type 1. Um, can you describe this research as well? Sure. So I guess, uh, you know, we're always thinking about this cure. And I think for a lot of us living with type 1 diabetes, you know, I was diagnosed at age nine and the doctor came in. He's like, yeah, don't worry. In seven years, the scientists will cure you. Well, it's been about 18 for me, and I don't think we're anywhere near there. So islet transplant, I definitely think, is a really promising therapy for, for type 1 diabetes. So what happens is they'll have either some cadaver islets or they'll have stem cell-based islets. Um, and what they do is actually a pretty... Uh, not too scary procedure. You have an infusion into your portal vein, which goes to your liver. And it's basically just like an IV of islets that is uh, going into your, to your liver. The problem right now, I guess, I guess there's two problems. One uh, was there's not a lot of people that donate the pancreas. Um, organ donation is obviously an issue for most transplant uh, procedures. So there wasn't a great source of islets. Um, so with um, technology like that out of Vertex, which they make uh, stem cell-based islets, you can have an infinite supply of cells, which is great. So we can treat everyone. Uh, there's no, you know, oh, this person gets it first, et cetera. And then the other issue is immunosuppression. So no one really likes to be on immunosuppression. There's a lot of nasty side effects. You know, if you're on immunosuppression during this COVID pandemic, you basically had to live inside. You couldn't, you couldn't really leave your house because you're just so vulnerable to infection. So kind of the, the holy grail would be an immunosuppressive therapy that is just specific to those islet cells. And so in that way, um, you wouldn't be vulnerable to these other diseases because your whole immune system isn't shut down. You know, if you're just uh, tolerizing to the islets, then maybe you won't have some of these, these nasty side effects. So, you know, people lose their hair, they have really bad mouth ulcers, they have lipid disorders, uh, not really fun stuff. <laughs> so um, if we could have a better therapy that would, you know, not have so many side effects, uh, everyone could, could be on it. So in terms of nanotherapy, we've been able to develop these nanoparticles. They are loaded with an existing immunosuppressive drug 
called rapamycin. And we deliver these uh, nanoparticles just to very specific immune cells. And by delivering this drug just to those cells, you get a tolerance effect to um, these islets. Um, and you give the immune therapy um, at a very similar timing to the islet transplantation. By also just targeting these cells, you're not having this systemic delivery where you would be causing side effects to other cell types. Um, and also the nice thing about this therapy right now is uh, we're still in mice, so we have a long way to go, is that you only have to take it for, or the mice only have to take it for two weeks and that they're uh, you know, tolerize for a very, very long time. So instead of having to take a therapy every day for your entire life, we're striving to make this more of a short-term uh, tolerance-inducing therapy as opposed to a kind of long-term, like knocking out of your immune system. I really admire that, though. That's just such a great feat, even in itself. Even when it's in mice right now, that's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. It's it's very fun. It's something that uh, makes me excited to get up in the morning every day. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, some people just do, you're doing research because they love the science, but um, I love the science and also have a passion for, for the potential benefit to type 1 diabetics as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm going to say that a million times. You can count <laughs> how many times I do, but All good. I also know that when this was published, you were a doctoral candidate. Are you still working on your PhD or have you completed it? And what other research are you doing now? Yeah, so um, I finished my PhD in January. Which and congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So now um, I'm working at another nanoparticle company um, and we use nanoparticles for cardiovascular disease applications. And I'm also a research assistant professor at the University of Illinois, uh, Chicago. And we're also trying to start a company with the diabetes technology that I, I mentioned from the paper. So very busy, but uh, yes. all good things and a lot of fun. I know as well that you're also involved with JDRF and as someone who truly admires JDRF and has been involved myself, can you share with us what you've done with them? Yeah. So I guess, you know, since I was diagnosed at nine, I've always been involved in JDRF, you know, early on it was the walk. I always thought it was very cool because I was a youth ambassador that I got to sit in a Corvette at the front of the walk. That was, you know, my claim to fame. Uh, for my uh, my childhood years, but uh, now I'm a part of the uh, Young Leadership Committee, the YLC, and I'm the outreach chair. So you know we do a lot of um, interesting things, but the event that I love the most is called Type One Nation. It's actually this weekend, and so we get to meet up with a bunch of teens and talk about what it's like to deal with uh, diabetes as a teen. I know I was. Uh, not the best uh, example of uh, diabetes as a teen. I think it's very hard. There's a lot of hormones going on. You're growing, you're changing schedule all the time. It's a bit rough. So uh, I think it's uh, important to uh, chat with that community and, you know, maybe 
if I uh, had some life experience that I can share with them to make their life a little easier, I would love to do that. (laughs) And I also think I learned a lot from them. You know, sometimes I'm in the lab too much and I'm a little out of uh, touch with the pop culture (laughs) or different things. So I always find myself learning some some new interesting uh, tidbits at uh, Type 1 Nation. So it's a good, good time. Yeah. And so I know as someone who probably spends a lot of time in the lab and has just finished their PhD, you probably experience a lot of stress. And I just have asked this question to people who've appeared on here before. And I went to ask if stress affects your blood sugars, because I know it 100% does mine. Stress definitely makes me very high. And then I have this tendency to uh, maybe like rage bolus, you could call it. And then you end up going low. So I'm trying to, you know, let either the control IQ uh, take care of the highs when I'm stressed or uh, to be less of a a rage bulliser. I also think um, for me, like, it's really important for me to to meal prep. I will make my lunches on Sunday um, for the week and uh, even sometimes my dinners because I get really busy uh, and I count the carbs then because otherwise, you know, if I'm trying to grab something random that I don't know exactly what's in it, it's probably not the healthiest, probably, you know, not as cost effective either. Yeah. So I think uh, definitely if you can plan some meals, that's that's always a, a good plus. And, uh, it, you know, then you're less likely to also like skip meals because that's something that I've done when I'm stressed or eat out of vending machines, which no, never, never a good, good go. Do you have any tips for managing your blood sugar when you are stressed? If uh, you can try to understand the potential for, you know, highs or lows, that might occur during your day when you know you're going to be stressed um, and kind of think about what you can do before that happens to mitigate those situations, whether it's like throwing some extra fruit snacks in your bag or glucose tabs or whatever you treat lows with, or, uh, you know, maybe it's really helpful for you to like do some yoga in the morning or do some Pilates. I like to sometimes just do a few uh, stretches, whatever to kind of, um, calm yourself a bit down <laughs> for the day. Um, it's a little harder, I think, to to act in the heat of the moment because one, you're stressed and then you probably have unpleasant blood sugar as well. So if you can kind of preemptively try to mitigate these things, that's uh, the thing that I try to do. <laughs> and then what do you use to treat low blood sugar as well? I know that you talked about fruit snacks, but is that your primary source or do you use anything else? Yeah, I definitely use those the Welch's fruit snacks a lot. And then sometimes I will also use the Capri Sun lemonade juice boxes or juice bags. Um, those are, yeah, those are probably the primary things. And then as we close out the episode, I'm going to ask you just a few more questions that are more advice-based. So do you have any advice for anyone transitioning to college or living on their own with T1D? I would definitely try to find other T1Ds that you can uh, just chat with, you know, even uh, you can have a little complaint party if you want to. And the other thing that was really difficult for me, which I didn't realize would be difficult, was just make sure you have a good way of getting your supplies to your dorm room. 
um, and getting your packages, et cetera. Or, you know, if you're having delivery to home and having your parents bring them, just have a very, uh, you know, robust method to, to do that. Because, you know, with these dorm rooms, kind of uh, not so standardized addresses and um, insurance companies, that can always be a headache. And you want to make sure the last thing you want is like, to not have the supplies you need when you're, you know, taking a big test or going to some fun event. You want to just be focused on college and having that great experience and not, oh no, I'm out of reservoirs. So, yes. And then do you have any advice for anyone interested in pursuing a career in biomedical research? Yeah. So one of the things that's great about the biomedical and biomedical engineering community is people are very willing to have you come in and shadow, come in and, uh, you know, help participate, be a lab assistant. Um, I think you had Dr. Solomon Poor on here, Scott. And I, when I was in college um, during one summer for, for a little bit, he let me shadow in his lab. Um, wow. and so that was a great experience to be in the lab with someone who was diabetic and um, also work a little bit. I think I worked on uh, Flex 16A, if I remember. So, you know, very specific, uh, specific pathway. Definitely, like, just reach out to mentors. People send me emails all the time saying, hey, like, can I shadow you? Can I come learn different things? And um, whenever it's possible, you know, sometimes it's just not feasible but we tried to bring people in and you know have them watch or learn whatever um and I definitely think if you're in high school if you're in college you know go shadow go find those experiences people are really eager to uh to teach as our final question for the day I like to remind everyone that I have as a guest with type one that we are all more than that and so I like to ask my guests to share a movie or a book or a TV show or anything they like to do in their free time. I know that you mentioned that you are frequently busy, but in your free time, what do you enjoy doing? So I love dogs. And so I volunteer with an organization called One Tail at a Time and foster uh, dogs in need or uh, babysit them. Um, So Dogs are kind of my uh, getaway from all the craziness that has happens in lab. You know, it's really nice to see these dogs that are uh, just wanting to give you love and are just very sweet. So I think it's a very rewarding experience. If uh, anyone's looking for kind of a, a good activity, you don't even have to be really social to anyone. You can just go uh, walk a dog or, you know, hang out with some dogs for a little bit um, at a shelter. It's, it's really rewarding. So that's what I love to do. Have you ever had like a dog live with you as in fostering it like that? Yeah, yeah. So right now we have a dog. They named it Pete Davidson. It's kind of a funny <laughs> name. <laughs> But uh, he's a real little guy. He's um, a Chihuahua Terrier mix, and he just got neutered uh, yesterday, so he has been a little sassy lately. Um, But he's real fun. He likes to jump and run and, you know, jump on the bed, (laughs) things he's not supposed to do. But, uh, you know, it's it's a good time. We we really like him. He's a real cutie. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed having you. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's great to great to chat and uh, excited to start listening more to your podcast as well. I've listened to a few. Oh, but, thank you. Uh, it, it's very good. I wish I would have had something like this when I was uh, younger because, you know, it's kind of nice to hear from other people that have done really awesome things with type 1 diabetes and kind of realize that there's not these real limits that Maybe some people think, yeah. No, one of the ones that I think is just incredible is I had Casey Raymond on here and she's a pilot. And like, I know like that's like the thing of like, oh yeah, you can't be uh, type one diabetic and be a pilot. And no, she's, she's a pilot and she's only like my age too. I think she's like 17 or 18. Oh, wow. What do you want to do? Do you know? Um, I am going to major in economics next year. So exact pathway is still uncertain but I know what I'm majoring in so you know yeah yeah you'll get there because right now it's like deciding on when you did you decide on a school or um I have to wait until the last week of March oh okay and then I'll have all of my regular decisions back okay cool yeah Thank you so much. That's all for today. If you have any suggestions for future topics or guests or just want to say hi, don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me at teen.teen1d at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at teen1d podcast. If you like my podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review as it really does help me out. Thanks so much for listening and don't forget to tune into next week's episode. Have a great week. Bye.